when Arsenal knocks on the door of players, it's a different knock than other clubs. Clubs, clubs, clubs. The Different Knock, an Arsenal podcast. this new contract here at Arsenal, but what made you so sure that this was the best place and this was the right decision for you? It's Arsenal, you know. Come on, it's Arsenal. Welcome back to The Muppet Show, an Arsenal podcast with Alexander Moneypenny and my very good friend, Bramley Apples. Hello, mate. Hello, mate. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks, man. How are you? I had some controversy, Brad, that we should talk about on uh, on the podcast. Uh, yeah, a controversial uh, Mr. Friday afternoon. Mr. Pake Jewel. Pake Jewel? Yeah, as in Jake Paul from Wish. Pake Jewel. Oh, yeah. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I want to caveat... Well, well, what we'll do with this podcast is we're going to get into all that sort of stuff. We're going to get into Rafinha. We'll get into a couple of things, uh, some kind of narrative stuff I've seen, which is kind of around if you don't want Arsenal, if we're not your first choice, don't come. Because I think you know, there's a lot of sort of meat on that bone. Um, Matt Turner announcement, discussing Lissandra Martinez, all sorts of other stuff, Rafinha. But before we get to that, uh, if you missed it yesterday on Twitter, um, there <laughs> so I, um, I want to caveat this by saying I don't ever want to make any of this personal. I don't know this person. I'm actually not going to mention them. You know who it is. Um, they Everyone are a famous uh, I would say negative uh, famously negative uh, Arsenal fan um, and I had a, a, some spare time yesterday uh, I was doing some like errands around the house and I love I, like I find it really interesting I have no shame in saying I watch this guy's YouTube videos because I find it fascinating to watch someone who thinks about football in such a different way from the way I do um, so I was watching his videos and it got to a point where he was reading out something and getting angry about um, a, a, a supposed preview of the Arsenal All or Nothing Amazon series. And it was like so obviously a joke. And he got very angry about it. And it was like, you know, we're going to hear about the, the behind the scenes of Rob Holding's hair transplant and Lacazette picks his top five Dunkin' Donuts. And then he absolutely slates the club for like allowing it. So I clipped that up. I put it on Twitter because I think it's funny. And I thought just, you know, our listeners and the people who like the different knock and stuff will will see it. And it got 400,000 views in uh, three hours or something. And it went absolutely crazy. I mean, like my phone was blowing up. Like it, it was it was nuts. And then uh, I went onto his Instagram and saw that he'd posted pictures of me <laughs> And called me when you order Jake Paul from Wish, <laughs> which I think is so. Fun. And also, Jake Jake Paul's quite handsome. I'll take it. I will take. Oh, that. Listen, what what um what it just screams the intellect of a five year old. Well, no, 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 no. Let's let's not get personal. Let's not get personal. Uh, No, no. But as in the idea, idea to be like the I no, but the idea to be like, oh, this person has put this up. What's the one thing I can insult them on? Let me insult them on their appearance. It's it's pathetic. Um, I'm I'm not being personal when I when I when I call it a playground insult. It is just a playground insult. That's what five year olds do. Yeah. No, I I I see what you mean. Yeah. It's a playground insult. I just I. Maybe I'll jump in the gun a little bit. I just don't want to be... I want to be careful of not making this a takedown because it's not that. I want to talk about fan media, really, um, but just providing context now. And essentially went on it and he sort of mocked me a little bit and whatever. And uh, and then basically the video was getting so much attention and so much abuse for this guy. And it was profiting us. Like it, we were getting loads of followers, there's loads of views, like loads of people were getting interested and like the YouTube like had some boosts and stuff, et cetera, et cetera. Like it was literally profiting us. But I felt responsible for having a video up where someone could see, someone could literally go on there and see so many people abusing them. And I just felt yeah. like it was it wasn't nice at some point. Like it kind of got out of hand and got into sort of outside of the comfy, nice circles that I <laughs> like to sort of uh, swim in. But yeah, I I just, I think that type of fan media, 
Um, and I'm in. I, I almost guarantee he will uh, make a video about it and call me Muppet Penny or something. I'm very. I'm. I'm. I'm almost sure. Um, I just think that kind of fan media is so interesting, and I actually think there's not that many people who do it. But it's kind of like people who just completely ignore the competitive landscape. And I don't want to speculate on what's going on in his specific life or what's going on in those kind of people's specific lives. But there is this constant throwback to Tony Adams, David Seaman, Thierry Henry, Dennis Perkamp. These were fighters. These were winners. And I'm always like, what part of you is kind of left in that era where you love that period? You love, and I, I totally understand it. There's like a part of you, probably your childhood, your twenties, your the period of your life where you felt so connected to the football club and young and sort of, you know, boundless and all that sort of stuff. And then life happens, right? There's probably an emotional connection there. And I just think it's kind of sad that that you can't see the new competitive landscape. Arsenal paid the fifth highest wage bill in the Premier League last season. And we came fifth. Now, there's so much around the club that I'd love to see improved. We're not where we want to be. We're not, you know, I'd love to see more investment. I'd love, we are absolutely not where I think we should be. We should always aim to try and win titles. But if you, if you never, ever appreciate any kind of success and the only thing you can do is be negative to the club, you will always essentially be able to just be like, well, we're not, we're not, we're not title winners. So that's it. Cause you just ignore the context. And then basically when it, if, if it happened, for example, if Arsenal won a title, you could say, well, I was wrong then, but you still made all the money. <laughs> Do you know what I mean, it's just like, it's completely, it's completely, just completely against my principles. Anyway, go on. Of course. You have to, you have to also understand that sometimes people are just prostituting themselves for views. I, I like I I I don't believe that this person or a lot of people that do similar takes a hundred percent believe in what they're saying, but they're doing what the Daily Mail do when they, you know, they, they recently whipped up a, a story saying that we'd lost the race for the midfielder Dukure, who's going to Palace. Yeah. That I don't even think we'd ever been in for, and it it's that it's somebody understanding that if they place themselves on this side of the line, they may not be loved. They may not, you know, whatever, but they'll get a shitload of traction and it'll make mm. them some money. So mm. you have to also understand that that is part of the psychology of these people. They don't, they, they may still be negative about the club and, 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 you know, not, not believe in what we're doing moving forward and yada, yada, yada. But what they will then do is they will exaggerate and heighten themselves to a point where that then becomes natural. You watch, you know, uh, it, the evolution of troops as somebody is is fascinating. And I, I can't remember when it was. I think it may have been when we went out of the Europa League last season. Oh, well, season before last now. And he's kicking water bottles, jumping up and screaming. But then you see him pulling down his, in, in this fit of rage, like pulling down his T-shirt and making sure he's like, kind of covered and somebody who is naturally in that much of a rage is so consumed by it they're not going to be focusing on whether their t-shirt's covering you know their belly or any part of their skin and that's when you start to realize that these people are self-aware and they are prostituting what would be their ideas upon a negative way of football to the nth degree to make money because People like to laugh at it. You know, this person is probably very well aware um, on some of his takes that they are ridiculous and outlandish, but he knows that it will make him money. And then what happens is you, you, you stick yourself in that psyche for long enough. Um, I think it's called like cultural hegemony. It's basically if somebody tells you you're stupid enough, hegemony, you will start think, to believe that you're stupid. Right. Hegemony. Yeah. Um, people will, you'll start to believe you're stupid. If you put yourself in a mindset enough, you'll start to adopt it. You'll start to become it naturally. Um, and I think that's what's happening with lots of these people. They've spent years being so negative about the club that now when there is not really a lot of bandwidth to be negative about the club, you know, you really have to start nitpicking to find things. Now we're starting to see how far, 
how far deep they've gone, how how far they've gone into this this persona and this psyche that it's just not a real person anymore. Yeah, and you're blinded to it. I think that's that's the problem is you and you can't be objective because it doesn't suit your kind of your culture, the, the the place you're in. It doesn't suit your kind of business model. It doesn't suit anything. You know, you you cannot be objective. Doesn't suit your agenda. Yeah, and and look, we've all got biases. I've got biases. You know, I'm I'm probably slightly skewed to sort of viewing things through a positive angle just because of the way i am i understand that and maybe but i at least try to be objective this guy who we're talking about i saw a video where he judged maitland niles on goals and assists (laughs) and it's like there's no and said he was a terrible player because he got like eight goals or something in his arsenal career it's it's like there is no there is no reason why this is happening other than uh, just taking the most po- most negative slant possible. And actually the Daily Mail thing that you said is a great shout because it's like the Daily Mail basically take the most salacious uh, inflammatory or whatever angle they possibly can in order to sell papers on everything. So it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter what the story is. Um, it's also worth pointing out that this person pretended not to know um, that well, they they pretended that they did this. Pretended that they got caught by this thing, um, on purpose, so they could see how many top gooners they could catch, and uh, and then release. And, and that's then, not what but, happened. No, of course it isn't. But also, I don't understand. It's so not true. It's like a kid being like, you know, you know, when you ask a kid, like, oh, I, could- I meant to do that. Yeah, <laughs> I meant to do that. Yeah, That's what, what I wanted. Yeah, the seven-year-olds that I look after let you do it, and it's it's that thing of like, oh yeah, yeah, no, I, I meant to do it, and it was all to catch people. It's like, well, what are you hoping for there that people will clip it up, show it, and think you're stupid? Is that what you want? And and like, yeah, I just I don't I don't get it. But yeah, I th- I think fan media, I actually think within football, there's there's they're, they're kind of on the outskirts and they position themselves there on purpose as kind of. You know, well, I'm toxic, I'm negative, you know, and I'm just saying it as it is. It's kind of like a little bit like sort of right wing commentators, sort of, you know, you can't, oh, it ha- is. you can't handle the truth type stuff. And it's like, you know, wherever your political leanings lie, that sort of positioning yourself as an outsider and conservative voices or liberal voices being, 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 you know, muffled. It's like if you position yourself there. Well, what can anyone say? It's like you, you you will you will view yourself as that, and people will think you view as that, and it's mm. it's bizarre. It is bizarre. Um, we should move on from. We should. We definitely should. And if that person is listening to us, um, look, no hard feelings. Like there's no there's no personal feeling towards it. I just think the business model and the way you operate is very bizarre, and I hope. Um, I it's morally things... questionable, especially if you don't believe it. Yeah, Do you know I, what I mean, and I don't think he Why? does, and, Why? and I just, ho- I just hope he's happy because I just don't think he is, and that's the sadness. Yeah, because you and also I... you cannot you cannot be making that much money from it. He's not like this person whilst he's doing well is not making that much money from it. You know, when it comes to views and when it comes to track, like so. Why I-, I could understand if you were fucking raking it in. That's when you'd go, is it okay that I impeach my morals? If that's the kind of character and person you are. But like, you're doing this for so little traction, mate. Like, come on. <laughs> it's all for fun. Like, it's football. Like, I don't, I don't get it. Anyway, I hope he's okay, really. I hope he's okay. And um, some people point out to me that he wouldn't have deleted the video of me. But as I said to you before the podcast, that's not why you do things. You, I, In my opinion, it's uh, you do it because it feels right. But there you go. Right, we should move on to talking about real things. First thing I wanted to ask you about is I've seen this kind of attitude sort of forming over the transfer window, and I think it's it's kind of it's kind of been there before as well. Um, but I do think it's an interesting take, slightly defensive, I think, or slightly sort of saving face, slight. I didn't fancy her anyway. Energy to me, but I do understand it to some degree, and it's this. When Arsenal don't get a player or it's perceived or reported that a player doesn't want to play for Arsenal or or has chosen another club over Arsenal, a lot of fans or some fans, and it's difficult to tell exactly what, Twitter's a terrible barometer of fan sentiment and other websites online, 
get this sort of feeling of, well, if they didn't want to play for us, then we didn't want them. And, you know, we only want people who want to play for Arsenal. We only want people who we, who don't need convincing. And while I think that is a really noble feeling, and I think if we were Man City, I, I kind of get that off of Real Madrid or Barcelona. It's like if you choose something else over Real Madrid or Barcelona with the histories they have, with the fan bases they have, like you, you've made an active choice. It's not because they're not very good. Do you know what I mean? Or, or, you know, they're not big clubs like it, 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 or can't match your ambitions or whatever, you know, even if they're going through bad times, they will be, they will be back. I understand it, but I also think it limits our options. And why not have a player who's not convinced about the project who can push us forward? You know, if we get in someone Say, for example, Gabriel Jesus, who I believe was the most attainable player on the market for us this this season and in ter- and probably maybe one of the best options, if not the best option. If he needed convincing, I wouldn't mind having him in because I think he's a good player. And I, I'm sure when he goes out on the pitch, he will be trying his hardest, no matter, no matter who he plays for. So it's a strange one. And I, I'm interested in your take on it. <sighs> It's for me. It's a. It's very stupid because it. It. What it does is it. It. Um. It almost disingenuously denies the fact that every single player is going to be have to be convinced to join a club. When you go in for a player, a big part of it is going to be talking to the representatives, talking to the player about where they fit in your project. You know, you don't. It's it. it no. No, like no club really, I believe is is mammoth enough that when you come in, you just move. If you're right now, if you're Jude Bellingham and you have Liverpool come in for you and you have Madrid come in for you, you're probably going to end up going to Liverpool because you look at the midfield options at Madrid and you go, oh, fuck, they've got Valverde, Camavinga and Chouameni and they've still got Modric, Cruz and Casemiro. That is six unbelievable midfielders. That's a really clogged place to go. And then you look at Liverpool and you go, oh, okay, so they may not be winning the Premier League every year or, and you know, Real Madrid might not win La Liga every year, you know, whatever. But there's an easier pathway to, um, to a starting position. Real Madrid might have been the first choice, but players will always tend to go, especially where they're going to play. And... Every single player you'll go into talks with, you'll have to talk to them about their role, about their position within the squad, and in some sense, convince them to take it. So this idea that every single player we've signed has only wanted to come to Arsenal just isn't true. Mm. You know, we might have been the only club in for them, Mm. but... It, it just isn't true. Like we will have convinced Gabriel Jesus to come to Arsenal massively because he will be a guaranteed starter pretty much every week. That is something that Tottenham couldn't offer him. That is something that Chelsea couldn't offer him. And that's something that Madrid couldn't offer him. Hmm. So there was an obvious upside to coming to Arsenal. It might have been his first choice to go and play for, Ju- for Juventus. We don't know that. It's also so unimportant. Yeah. It is important yeah. to get players and get yeah. good players. For example, Lissandro Martinez, there's, you know, we'll talk about the rumors later. If his first choice was to go to United, but we just paid what we just pay what they ask for and get him in before United can even go in for him, I'd rather have him at the club than than not for the sake of a mentality of if we're not your first choice we'll move on because at the end of the day, we're not the prettiest bell at the ball anymore. At one point in the early 2000s, we were an unbelievably attractive club who could could pull pretty much anyone, I really believe. We aren't that anymore. We haven't won the league in nearly 20 years. We've never won the Champions League. We aren't even in the Champions League at the moment. We are going to have to do some convincing to get the type of player that we want to get in. It is better to do that and raise the levels than sign players a level below and stay where we are. It's 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 very much fifteen year old girl, fifteen year old boy. Ah, oh, do you know what? I I didn't want to go out of her anyway because she yeah. didn't fancy me back. So like, why would I want to go out with someone who didn't fancy me back? Like, what am I going to do that for? Yeah. <laughs> it like, really is. It's such like lost. What are you energy. doing? 
Yeah, I, I like the sentiment to some degree, but I do I do agree with a large portion of what you said. And also, you know, by the way, uh, in the last twenty years, when our sort of uh, our our star has fallen, there's no footballing context around that, and it's all um, the fault of the club. And any steps back towards that are stupid. Just just so you know that. Um, as wait, as long as you have buy in from the player, as long as the player who's coming is like yes. Like, I understand my role. I'm buying into this. This is good. I know where I fit. I want to do this. That's what you need. Obviously, never sign a player that's only, that, that like, doesn't want to come. Like, for example, Man United, like, I'd, I'd be con- questioning signing Frankie de Jong now. Because if you look at everything that's coming out and the moves that he's trying to make to stay at Barcelona versus leaving for United... And how unhappy he is. He's obviously only going for the money. And that is a serious, that is, you have to seriously start to question the motivations when there's only one club in for someone and they're, they're downright trying to refuse to go. That's when you should question whether to do a transfer. Not when a player is going to possibly pick another club over you because at least join the fight. And if you if you win it, you you'll end up with possibly what could be an amazing player. And if you don't, shit happens. Move on to new targets. Yeah, I mean, all reported about Frankie, but if if that's true, yeah, I, I I agree with you. There's a kind of there's a there's a there's a line to it of you shouldn't have you know you, <laughs> you shouldn't have to get someone kicking and screaming, but also you know it's fine if you need to convince them. Look, players choose clubs for different reasons, and I think the two main ones are the sporting project and the money. We have to remember, and it's not a bad thing for for players. They have, if they're lucky, 15 years in professional football. Now, if you sign on average, uh, let's let's say you, you, you stay on contract for three years. That's what's that? Uh, five contracts. So you sign five, basically five contracts in your professional career. Now, obviously, some people will do more, some people will do less or whatever. But you basically sign five contracts, five signing on fees, um, five, hopefully, bumps in wages. So you've got to be careful. And then the rest of your life, you will never have that earning power. No matter what you do, you will not have that kind of earning power. Lionel Messi, when he retires, will never be able to earn whatever he's on at PSG, 800 grand a week or whatever it is. It's a ridiculous million a week. So it's never going to happen again. So so, so as much as the sporting project matters and as much as probably there are players who go, look, you know, for example, Hector Berrin, he's, he's taken a massive pay cut to go to Betis. There's some players who will do that, but most players are just going to look at the money in the sporting project and if they match, great. And of course, if they're being offered 95k from one club and 92k from another and the 92k club feels like the better sporting project, they'll go there. But it's about a balance and we have to remember that, that players... It's not even a mercenary thing. I think some people call players mercenary, like, you know, all they only care about the money. It's like, well, they have a product, essentially. They have a skill in the same way that a plumber does, in the same way that an engineer does, in the same way that whatever the fuck we do <laughs> does. And you have a price for it. You have you have rates. You go, okay, well, I'll do this for you at this price, which is the market market value. And that's what it is. And and I don't see any issue with that. And ultimately, it's no one individual's fault. It's the it's the system that we slave under. So I, uh, yeah, I really don't feel aggrieved at that. And I really don't think it's necessarily right completely. As I say, I, I do have sympathy and I like the idea that a player would love to come to Arsenal, but you also have to be realistic. So yeah, it's, I don't think it's particularly right to say, well, if we didn't want, you know, it is exactly what you said. It's kind of 15 year old. Well, I fancy you anyway. It's it's a bit sort of like, it's a bit unrealistic. I didn't want to, t- I didn't want to take her to prom anyway. Yeah, I didn't actually, I, I, you know. Actually, well, she, she, I, she, she looked at me and she said, like, she said, I really want to go with you. Um, and then she, and then she actually said, yeah, I fancy you out of most of the boys, but she, she's going to go with Callum anyway. So yeah. Um, but yeah, that definitely happened. She, she, she said it to me. She hundred percent did. So shut up. She did. She said that she's going, she's, yeah, she's going with him because she feels bad for him. Cause he's got like, he's got one, he's got, a, he's got a lazy eye. So like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and she fancies me the most. She did tell me that she, she did. She did. Um, <laughs> before we go to the break Brad uh, we should chat about Rafinha (laughs) sorry I lost myself a bit there (laughs) no no she did she did shut up Jake shut up 
Um, <laughs> Rafinha. Um, <laughs> yes. This time last week, it was looking pretty likely. Some people were even saying it's done. Uh, and now there's a whole whole load of rubbish that's happened this week of Chelsea coming in for him. Chelsea and hijacking, Barca hijacking, Barca Chelsea. hijacking, Decos in Barcelona. Also, it depends what you believe, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and th- I saw the lead sporting director come out and say Fabrizio Romano knows more than me right now, which is quite funny. Um, my gut feeling is it's never nice to feel like you have a player in your t- in your sights who feels like the right guy. I think Rafinha is a great receiver. He can beat people one-on-one. He's got the legs. He's got the directness that I think we like. I think he can be a great sort of off the left, as I say, for Martinelli. He's really direct driving runs with his uh, left foot and coming in uh, on his left. And um, and actually, he can beat people on the outside a little bit easier than Saka. Um, not quite the same quality coming in, but certainly a player who can provide a lot of that. And as I said before, um, he's someone that I think really works in terms of keeping us able to play that system and not having to keep getting interior like Emil Smith-Rowe and have to slightly shift the sort of left-sided dynamic. So I think he he would have been great. But talent is always out there. There's always another player. And this is the, this is the thing we have to keep remembering. There will be another player who gives us enough of what we want or looks as though they can give us what we want or something different slightly different dynamics and we adapt around that I don't think we should get caught up on Rafinha is the only player who could have who could have helped us oh god no my my read on the situation is we got the Jesus deal over the line and Jesus can play on the right and provide those receiving angles and provide some devastation from the right and some separation. So the Rafinha thing, I imagine, was a situation where you go, okay, well, that's that's even more of what we need in those areas. And I don't think, I think we will still get a winger. But do we need to go 55, 60, 65, 70 for this player? Is he that good? And I think once the Jesus deal, that's my read. It could also be, didn't fancy a right away type energy of, you know, well, we just got outbid, you know, and, and absolutely, I understand people who read it that way. But considering the reporting, considering what was said, uh, my read is that we basically went, look, he's he's not worth, we've got a valuation for the player. We're willing to pay this much. We're not willing to go over it. Um, if we match the bid and he chose someone else, we, clearly we were, we were absolutely... Um, Desperate for him, but it didn't. It doesn't feel like we are. Um, the reporting says that Edu's still abreast of the situation. We haven't made another bid, and it is what it is. There'll be another player. Uh, absolutely. Listen, I, I said to you over text that I think that if you're looking to recruit talent, there is currently, for me, quite an abundance of different types on the wings. There's a lot of wingers I think are, are, are available and possible on the market. And I'd rather lose this target than lose another. I feel like losing other targets could be quite harmful. Whereas this one, I'm a bit like, obviously would have been a great player. And everything that I've said about the player on the podcast and privately is true. I do think they're really talented. But you look at the money and you go, we've obviously set a valuation. And then another club has come in and blown that valuation out of the water. Do we get into Nicola Pepe type territory if we just go, okay, we'll match it when it obviously doesn't match what we were willing to pay in the first place for a player that arguably might not start every get like, like when you're talking about 60, 65 million pounds, you want to be adding a player that there is no question over starting birth. You know, we would be playing him out of position on the left and, you know, he's played most of his football on the right. We have Bukayo Saka. I now wonder whether this is almost a blessing in disguise. And again, this this is probably, you know, oh, I didn't fancy it anyway, mate. But one thing that I think Arsenal could go out and do, and we've spoken about this, is get a left winger. Because Bukayo Saka, there are two right wingers in the league better than him right now. That's it. Hmm. I think there is room to improve on Martinelli I think in the sense of I still think he's supremely talented and, and for me could really be one of the best in the world but 
right now there's there's maybe seven left wingers better than him. Yeah. And if we could bring in somebody of equal kind of talent level, equal ability, who can also cover centre forward, I don't I don't think that'd be the worst idea in the world. And it is always smart to stick to your guns over prices and not get bent over a barrel for a player who isn't going to be uh, who isn't who isn't guaranteed start like for Jesus when they were asking for fifty okay it looks like we've got it down to forty five I'm very much in the camp of pay it you look at the striker market there's not a lot of quality for money out there he is probably the best asset available for price point you're looking at Richarlison going for sixty million pounds yep you know Crazy. it makes sense to pay it it makes sense to pay the money whereas we now look at Rafinha and I go. 60 million pounds for Rafinha. Marcus Rashford has a year left on his deal and is somebody who I quite like and I think has a lot of potential and has had a really tough 12 months. Would United be tempted by 40, 50 million quid? And do I think that Rashford is ultimately better than Rafinha? Mm, probably. Higher ceiling. If, if higher ceiling, if he's got, you know, the biggest problem with him is he's he's not been coached in about three years. So... But I, I, I really like the Rashford shout. Just, sorry, just to jump in. I really like the Rashford shout. I think especially adding a little bit of height, um, adding a bit of directness, adding someone who I think can play all three positions across the front and, and may eventually settle on one, but but can really, really work for us. Under some proper coaching from Mikel, we know how technical he is. We know the detail he goes into. Maybe maybe Ten Hag likes him, doesn't like him. He, you know, We'll see as the season goes on. It may be that it, it's a kind of late in the window deal. I can see that happening, sort of seeing how the land lays for, you know, is he playing in preseason? Is he looking like he's going to be starting for Ten Hag? Um, and then maybe we move in. But I really like the Rashford shout. I think it's a great one. Yeah. And um, and there's there's lots of other players out there, I think. You know, you're looking at Serge Gnabry being available for 40 million, pa- 40 million euros, sorry. Like, We'd obviously have to eat major wages on that deal. But that is a, they're, they're, there's a lot of room to manoeuvre out there. Losing Rafinha is not the be-all and end-all of our season. Whereas losing Jesus, for me, really could have been if we'd have ended up, you know, shelling out 40, 50 million euros then on a, a 23-year-old from Italy who's had one season under his belt. We could be in in real trouble you know, after another flopped move and, and dropping back down the table. So yep. I, I, I'm I not too fussed. It's profiles over names every time. It's profiles over names. And we need, for me, what I look at, I see directness from Martinelli and I see creativity and the ability to hold the ball while runners come up um, and combine on the right-hand side in, in Saka and, and so, so much more. Whatever we want... I think has to whoever we want has to fit into that. I think it probably should be a left footer um, to, to sort of complement uh, what's going on. I think the Rafinha thing makes sense. Then the next target will make sense of it as well. I think that's another thing as well. The next target always makes sense of what we're after. If there's a big target with you know Tielemans or whatever's happening with that deal, supposedly you know we're just waiting to put a bid in. I suppose we're seeing how the land lays with the rest of the transfers and how much money we got and, and outgoings and stuff because I don't think there's that much. Uh, going on elsewhere I think I my read is the other pl- other teams interested is is sort of Leicester saying come on pay up we'll, we, we're looking at profiles and it will tell us whoever whoever comes next will tell us what we what we're after um, what similarities to Rafinha do they have what differences and those will, and the qualities that that player has will be what we're after and that will be in lots of players in lots of players, you know, you you put in okay, left footed player receives well. You can cut inside. Who's got a goal threat? Stick that in on on your data, and I'm sure Arsenal's analytics team will have 10, 11, 12, 15 names on that list. So look, Rafinha would have been nice and may still be nice, and it's not saying at all that I wouldn't like the player. I would love the player, um, but yeah. By the way, I just looked it up. Uh, Rashford's five eleven. I thought he was taller than that. Yeah, he's a tall five eleven. He's quite, yeah, he's quite beefy as well. And also 5'11", when you consider our our front options, is tall. You know, Enketi is 5... For a wide man, it's quite tall, yeah. 7? Enketi is 5'7", Jesus is 5'9", Saka's 5'8", Martinelli's what? Again, probably about 5'10". Like, it is adding Not- height. 
Nothing wrong with short kings, Brad. There's a, there's a bit of a misnomer about, you know, height, power and physicality. Alexis Sanchez is one of the most powerful players I've seen in an Arsenal shirt. He was fucking tiny, but that man could have bodied six foot six defenders just because of the, the raw strength in him. I I wouldn't mind. I don't, I don't think it's, especially if they've got a good leap on them. 5'10 is just as good as 6'1". Well, it's and it's all about movement to me, mate, and it's about creating separation and being in the right places. So, yeah, I think uh, a bit of a bit of height would not go missing this team. All right, we'll see you after this. Oh, geez, Dad, not the car again. Oh, happens all the time with old Betsy. Have you checked out Carvana yet? They have thousands of cars for under $20,000. But do those thousands of cars have personality like old Betsy? Betsy's held together by tape. And there are raccoons living in the engine. It's a family car. Uh, there are flames on the hood? Ah, custom paint job. No, Dad, the car's on fire. How many cars did you say Carvana had? Visit Carvana.com to shop thousands of cars for under $20,000. We'll drive you happy at Carvana. Thank you to those of us who oh thank you to those of you who support us on Patreon on patreon.com forward slash div not you get access to ad-free versions of the post-game preview and TDK short podcast for just three pounds a month. But the most important part is you're helping support the podcast, YouTube, and more for the price of less than a coffee a month and helping us grow. It really would mean the world. Speaking of coffee, for one-time support, head to buymeacoffee.com forward slash div not where you can buy me a coffee. Coffee. The links are in. The show description, right, Bradley, Matt Turner announced this week, um, why do I get the feeling that he's going to be one of those people who is constantly doing interviews? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like Emil- like Martinez vibes. I feel like he'll, he'll speak to anyone. I just want to get my shot at the club. Aaron's great. We push each other in training. Great guy, but uh, you know, I want want my shot. You know, it's great playing in the Europa League, but the Premier League is is the dream. I'm being a bit harsh. I do. I I liked his. Uh, I don't know if you saw it, but his uh, sort of interview uh, interview day. His uh, sort of being shown around the training ground <laughs> interview day. Uh, being shown around the training ground. I I think Eddie was mad charming. By the way, I think he's really charming. I think that's a good thing. Um, he what's what i like is he involves everyone the family come around he speaks to them he shows them everywhere yeah. he he's very personable very positive and and also and it, and it shouldn't really matter but he's really tall and sort of imposing and i think having someone who is who is physically kind of walks into a room and you notice him and is very charming and as we're discovering is is you know pretty you know, at least half decent at his job. You know, we'll uh, we'll reserve all judgments, but looks half decent at his job. It is a good thing. Um, but yeah, Matt Turner. I think uh, I love this interview. To be honest, I love the fact that he used to be a, um, an Arsenal fan, or, or still is an Arsenal fan. That's amazing. Um, I don't. I'm not going to sit here and pretend I know anything really about the player. What I will say is he looks like an athlete, mate. He looks tall, lean, muscular. Um, great spring from what I've seen. Uh, good shot stopper. My only concern is his work with the ball at his feet. I haven't seen much of it. I can't say I, I will. Uh, I have, sorry. Um, but it's similar to Ramsdale in that you can probably coach the, the decisions to make on the ball as a keeper. When your centre-back is here, you play it here. When your full-back is here, you play it here. I'm sure that can be coached. What probably can't be coached is the accuracy and the ability with the long balls, similar to Ramsdale. And I wonder whether that's another thing we picked out in that, because I, I, I don't know, but uh, if his long kicking is good, I'm not too concerned about his kind of playing out from the back as such, because I think that can be coached more, if that makes sense, because there's a simpler passes. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I, I know nothing about him. I've not seen him play. Seems like a nice guy from the interviews. Um, it's also really intelligent in the same way that we did it with Tommy Asu. You also have to understand the, the commercial aspects of these players. Bringing in a Matt Turner brings eyes from the US to Arsenal and opens up a fan base uh, in the same way that, um, you know, a lot of South Koreans are now Spurs fans because yep. of Hyung Min Son. Yep. So you 
when you take into consideration that, the fact that he looks a decent player, just one MLS keeper of the year, you know, it looks all good. I'm not expecting him to rip up trees. I still expect Ramsdale to start, but the mentality seems there to push for that starting berth. You'll get a lot of minutes because of the Europa League and other cup competitions. So I think it it's a deal that definitely suits Arsenal. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really not... Um something that I can see, you know, massively going wrong. Do you know what I mean? And and I found it interesting when they announced him, it was sort of early morning time US. Do you know what I mean? You know, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but it was it was clearly it wasn't middle of the night and or first thing in the morning, um, UK time when they wouldn't have been awake. You know, there's a clear, I think, a kind of clear strategy. Uh probably there's a US tour. I I wouldn't be surprised if they were looking at a number of keepers and went, well, we sort of don't mind between a couple of people and this guy's a US a US player and there's no there's no harm in it. Um I think that can really work. And also in terms of the work permits, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, makes it a bit easier. But yeah, I, I he seems a really nice guy. He seems like a sort of positive um and determined character, which is what you need. Someone mm. who I know and apologies if this is a bit of a generaliza- generalization to US um listeners, but I, I work for a, a, a couple who are from the US. There's a general positivity to them that I think is never bad. And, you know, some people it's more superficial than others. But there is a general feeling of kind of keeping things, you know, upbeat in general. And that's a massive generalization. I appreciate that. But I think he kind of fits into that, um, my perception probably of of the, the culture in the US. And I really like that. I really like that. There's a there's a a real value to that. Um and you have to praise the mentality in a man who went undrafted in the US to now being, you know, MLS keeper of the year. Yep. So that's, yep. there's obviously a work rate and a desire there. So I have no problems with somebody who's going to come in and work hard. Yep. Direction of travel is really good. Uh, when will the, the rise of Jesus happen? When will we see Jesus resurrected? What do you think it's going to be? I think they're I think they're doing something. I mean, obviously, everyone saw the video of him on the Emirates pitch. He's got the number nine confirmed. Je- Jesus is an Arsenal player, hundred percent, hundred one percent, according to Fabrizio Romano. Um, what do you think they're doing? <laughs> this had better be a good announcement. Eddie and Ketia phone thing, or do you remember the Alba one know. where he had the cut in his hair and they put like the the streak in his hair? I love that one, and the Yo Pierre thing. I hope they're doing some kind yeah. of Jesus rising from the dead sort of thing. Because they know everyone knows, so they may as well do it. You know, it's not like they need to announce it quickly. Um, no. I thought the Fabio thing was it funny. It be good. On Twitter. Yeah, I just, I like, I like that idea of building hype. I do agree with some things I've seen online this week, which is basically that like Arsenal spend so long announcing stuff, sometimes it does kill the vibe. Um <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like it is. It, sometimes it's like, come on, guys, just announce it. We all know it's. It, we all know it's happening. Yeah, but it, but it only kills the vibe because Arsenal fans start behaving like fucking Sherlock Holmes and getting drones <laughs> out and flying them above the Emirates and and inspecting the trees and shit like that. You, well, we can't complain about Arsenal taking their time making their announcement videos when we are the ones spoiling them by flying drones to get footage of new players. Brad, it's my spare time. It's our own fault. It's my spare time. I get to do whatever I want. Please don't criticise me. Um, yeah, Jesus' announcement soon. Uh, I don't I don't think it will drag on too much longer. I imagine either this weekend or early next week uh, we'll 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 hear about it. Maybe even by the time this podcast is out, it will be announced. Um, great signing. We'll probably do a more. If if you haven't watched my uh, breakdown on YouTube, go ahead and watch it. Sixteen minutes long. <laughs> so sorry, uh, but I just think he's such a good player and such a good fit and such a facilitative forward. And all of the easy. Well, he's. He was on the bench at Man City. He's only scored so many goals. Look at his minutes per goal, look at his minutes per goal involvement, um, and you will see a very, very good player. Um, oh, sorry, minutes per yeah goal involvement. Um, yeah, very, very excited about it. And I think the fee is a touch high, as I've said before, but very excited. And I think he, I think he will add dynamics to our team that we didn't think were that were, were even on the cards before. I think a lot of people think he receives centrally, mm. 
turns, goes, gets in the box and finishes it off. Actually, if you watch him, he's a much more facilitative player. Creeps around either side, turns up in difficult positions, gets a lots gets lots of shots off in the box, high quality of shots. Um, yeah, great player. Lissandro Martinez then, probably the last individual we'll discuss. Uh, all sorts of rumours going around in terms of Man United coming in for him. Supposedly, uh, Charles Watts this morning said that Man United are um, have tabled a bid and uh, he's interested in teaming up with Ten Hag, but also um, he likes Arteta and he likes his ideas. So I think this one, going back to what we were talking about earlier, might come down to the sporting project. And then you look at the two projects and I think there's pros and cons to both. At Arsenal, I think he will start, but I don't think it will be a shoo-in. At United, I think he will start straight away. I think it's also dependent on where people are going to play him. I don't see him as a centre-back long-term. I think especially for a team like United, I don't think their culture kind of allows anything other than sort of imperious big men at centre back but I could be I could be wrong um I'm always open to changing perceptions um I have a pretty clear idea of how I think he'd fit in at Arsenal in terms of as a left back in terms of inverting um providing more quality on the ball removing the need for kind of Xhaka because he plays in those zones and is kind of more of a DM and can skip past people too I don't know what would happen at United. I mean, what's the more attractive sporting... If you're a player, and I think this is probably what it's going to come to, come down to for Martinez, reuniting with a former manager, playing for Man United, or going to a club who feel like they're in a bit more of a positive moment, working with a manager who's a bit more established in the Premier League, if you don't, even if you don't think he's a better manager... Uh, playing in London, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. What do you think is the more attractive option? I think there's a couple of variables that are going to really make sway of this deal. One is going to be the finances. Um, so let's also just assume that that um, it's a hundred percent that like that we're going to pay the same fee, pay the same wages. So let's just assume that and take that off the table. Let's just say that's not part of it. I think the next is going to be uh, position. If we see him as more of a left-back cover or starting left-back and United see him as more of a a six and he wants to play one of those positions more than the other, that that will make a considerable impact. If you're talking about maybe he prefers the sporting project to Arsenal, but the opportunity to bed himself in his favoured position, that'll have a massive, massive sway. And De Jong and Martinez is not a bad, not a bad double pivot, you know? Yeah. De Jong, Martinez and Bruno is is a very good midfield. That is, yeah. So um, I, I feel like this is an, another one of the moves where we should have just paid the money and have it done already. It's, you know, I, th- I think that when you when this player looks so obvious that you know we're that he covers two positions for us he's very very talented could even cover center back looks like the profile of player we want moving forward could even be our starting left back we shouldn't allow things like the possible united link to pop up we should just get it done but apparently ajax have been stalling over the bid yeah this is the issue um so this is the issue because, well, they've been stalling over the bid because they want something like, what, 50 million euros? Yeah, all reported. But but it's, you know, unless you can get an answer out of the club. It's, uh... yeah. It depends what he, the player wants. If the player wants to play at six, he probably won't do that for Arsenal. He'll probably do that for United, especially seeing as United have just signed a left back from Feyenoord. So I I, I don't... It, it will massively, massively depend on the specific things that the player wants for his career moving forward, rather than, I think, the trajectory of the clubs. Because I don't think United will slip lower than sixth or seventh this season with the business they look like they're doing. So if he wants to play six, I think he'll probably go there. But if he wants to, if he just wants to play, you know, good football at a club that seems to be on the up, who seems to have a good pathway into the Champions League right now, 
I, I don't think you look past Arsenal for that. I don't see United making that much of a bounce back this season. I think you're right to pick out where the zone on the pitch will play. I think that'll be a big thing for him. And I suppose that all comes down to how he views himself. Um, Ten Hag is, you know, he knows him. Uh, but also, you know, that doesn't always work the way we think it does. You know, we've all worked with people. Up. Does it matter? Well, I think it does to some degree because you have an existing, pre-existing relationship. But what that means is it doesn't mean it's good. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, or it doesn't, it doesn't mean you fully rate that person and think they are the person for your career. We've all worked with people. We've all had teachers. We've all had colleagues, ex-colleagues who we go, yeah, fine, but. If I could choose to work with someone new or them again, especially if I have been having conversations with the new guy and he seems nice, I might I might switch. Exactly. And you can still like somebody but not want to revisit that, that working relationship. That's what I mean. New yeah. experiences are, are a big, big thing. And if he goes, ah, oh, you know what? With Thomas Partey's injury record, I, I could easily see a path for him at six at Arsenal. You know, Thomas Partey's injury record is horrendous at the moment. So he could put up some significant minutes there. So if that's where he wants to play and he's ambitious, he could definitely try and see himself usurping it. But it's all going to depend on on a couple of little variables that, n- that none of us know about. If he ends up at United, I will be disappointed because I think there's a player we could have firmly had our grasp on if we'd have paid the asking price because United have only just come in for him. Um, and sometimes you have to do that with a player. Sometimes you you are in a situation where you are beholden. He's got a couple of, he's got three or four years left on his contract. Ajax have already sold some players, I think. So they don't, they're not in a need to sell financially. It, it's difficult, isn't it? You know, when a club doesn't need to sell, sometimes you do just have to pay the money and negotiating isn't going to help. Yeah. And that's the position we found ourselves in where a club does, we're a club who does need to sell certain players and then we can't get good fees for them. You know, it, it, it's like the Daniel Ballard situation who who made his move to Sunderland. You know, people are saying, oh, well, you know, it's not a good fee. You know, he's a top player, young player. What if X, Y, Z? Look, stick the buyback clause, wherever it is, first refusal clause in there uh and get whatever fee you can he's not going to play for arsenal so they and they what know fee that did we get? So, what f- oh, a couple of million two three million something like that you know he's never he's never played for our first team top prospect and may go on to be a great player but it, it means we can get that player if we want that player you know in, in the in, in the end and i think we have to understand as arsenal fans we do need to get better in terms of selling a hundred percent we do need to get better but the way you do that isn't by I don't know, being more of a bastard or being, you know, tougher to negotiate with. Okay, maybe slightly. But what you do is you create good relationships with clubs. You say, look, we, we can mutually benefit each other rather than being an arsehole in discussions. And you get yourself into a strong position where you have, all, you know, ideally all your players who you want to keep. <laughs> you know, you have a squad of and players you who you like. Uh, hang on, hang on, hang on. You have a squad of players. Well, this is, no, that's exactly what I'm saying, Brad. You have a, a group of players who are good, so you don't need to sell them. So when someone comes in, you say, well, we don't want to sell him, so you're going to have to pay a good fee. Ultimately, transfer value comes from what a club is willing to pay for them rather than what a player is worth. So, um, well, transfer fees come from there. So, yeah, it's... uh, Liverpool are able to sell players like Danny Ward, a backup goalie, to Leicester to be a backup goalie for 15 million quid because they've been so successful. We the players that we're trying to sell sell are still part of the culture and uh, and still part of the club that finished eighth two seasons in a row. Why are you going to pay over the odds for Hector Bellerin? Like, yeah. And you know, you, know, you know he's not going to be used. So, yeah. yeah, you know, we're not. And Daniel Ballard, it's much better to get a 20 to 30% sell-on fee and a first refusal and sell him for two, three million rather than five. Or, you're not going to get 10 million for him. Because yep. people could go out and get, go to to Italy, go to loads of different places. You have to look at the, where is he moving? Okay, he's moving to a, a championship level club. Okay, so you're not, you're not going to get that much money for him. Two, three million. Uh, Just got promoted 30%, Yeah, yeah. You know, a 20, 30% sell-on clause and a buyback or a first refusal is a good deal for Arsenal. It really is. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it is. It is. Well, it's the, it's the best deal in the situation we could do, in my opinion. It's one of the best deals. You're not getting 10 million out of a club like that. So, um, yeah, look, uh, I want to get some questions. We've had some questions in. I, at some point, I do want to discuss this idea of no excuses. Um, but possibly that comes more in a kind of preview sense as we approach the, the new season. Do you know what I realise, mate? Our first game is next Friday. Pre-season? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nuremberg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had, I it just completely. Cl- I mean, then we haven't got a game for a while after that. But it's uh, then we have got the severe game. Um, so it's you know it's it's complete, just middle of preseason random game that you know will be loads of random young players. But it'll be interesting to to have a look at the team and see see what we can glean from it. Uh, and I do want to discuss the kind of no excuses narrative that's coming around um, around Arteta uh, and the club, and but more from a sort of preview of the new season angle. I had a couple of questions in. First one is about Marquinhos. Uh, Mi- Mikel and Cancer. Apologies if I got your name wrong, Mikel. Or Mikel. Um, good name. What's happening to Marquinhos? We seem not interested and haven't seen him in any of the pictures. I don't know whether he's joined up with the team yet. I don't know. I th- just like preseason and preseason games will show us also sometimes you don't get. They, they, they don't release that many photos and often they release photos of people they'll know they'll get interaction with. Saka, yeah. Martinelli, Smith-Rowe, Ramsdale. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's all marketing. So they're not going to release a photo of a kid that hasn't played for Arsenal. No one knows about. No one's... None, no, if you look at the majority of Arsenal fans, I don't think many people are that bothered by Marquinhos. I think they think it's like, a, oh, it's, a, it's okay. He's a young player. And they're trying to drive engagement, so I wouldn't be, I wouldn't read into it too much. Yeah, look at this photo of Mazida Gungbo. Do you know what I mean? Like <laughs> some random man of twenty threes player. It's like you know, no disrespect to him, but yeah, it, it is. It was a signing for the future. I'm sure the preseason. I hope the preseason is going well for him, and and uh, we'll see him or we won't see him um, in that game against Nuremberg or in the Emirates Cup or whatever. So we we will see. I'm not I'm not worried about that. Uh, passing Jack Woods, the legend at E V A D Z T I F. I'm not. It might be Evad's Tiff, but uh, <laughs> I could be reading that wrong. Why do you spend? Good question. This. Why do you spend a year in contact, agreeing terms with Tillemans, only to not follow through? Is that not slightly odd behaviour? Can I take this one? I I think this happens a lot more than we think. I think, for example, the Jesus stuff, I imagine we were working on December onwards. These things take a long time to get the deal you you want done and can go through a lot of twists and turns of, you know, players, oh, you know, we're going to come back to you in a couple of weeks. We're not sure if we're going to sign a new contract. Player wants to focus on the end of the season. We'll come back to you sort of thing. So... I imagine we've had a deal and it sounds as though we've got personal terms agreed with Tielemans. And I think basically we want the player, but are probably thinking, in my opinion, from and, and, and sort of filling in that sort of jigsaw. If we get Lissandra Martinez, I don't think we need, say, a Fabian Ruiz in the kind of uh, Xhaka role where he could cover a bit more defensively. Because as I've said before, I think Martinez can invert more and play a bit more in those zones. So if we get him, I think we then go for Tielemans because then we can get a player who can sit a bit further forward, offers us more attacking threat, sits in that kind of inside left lane. If we don't get Martinez, if we are going to stick with Tierney, maybe as the fifth uh, fifth lane or, or whatever, we're going to get another maybe more attacking fullback. Perhaps we don't go for Tielemans because we will need a different player up front. We'll need someone, a different type of profile in midfield who can play in the zones that Xhaka plays, might even keep Xhaka. So it's a big jigsaw. And I think we had gaping holes like Jesus up front, which we've filled. We had gaping holes in terms of an attacking midfield where I think we had a personnel issue, Odegaard, Vieira, um, a re- our own re- our only real sort of properly front-footed eights um, or can be front-footed eights. So I think it's a big jigsaw. And I think Tielemans is kind of dependent on a lot of other deals that's my read it'll also i i also you know we've we've been told a thousand times that oh apparently 25 million will get you in leicester might not want to sell for that leicester might be demanding too much money 
we don't know these things. You know, Leicester could be saying, we want 35. And then Arsenal are going, well, he's out of contract in 12 months. Yeah. Why are we going to pay the same amount of money for somebody that we've just paid who was on a five-year deal in, in Portugal? It could literally be that, you know, it could, it could be that Leicester do not want to sell at appropriate price point. And so we go, okay, we'll, 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 we'll circle back to it at the end of the window. We'll see if, if, if they still want to do the deal at that price, then okay, we'll just sign him on a free because there's, there's lots of talk coming out that he wants to join Arsenal, that that is a club that he really wants to join. Okay. So just have a little word in his ear. We'll come in. We'll get you for free next season. We'll get you in. But we're not going to pay over the odds for you, seeing as you've only got a year left on your contract. Yep. And, um, and who knows what kind of pre-contract agreements are being signed or all sorts of stuff. I, I think there's just so much we don't know about that that's the problem. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I would not be surprised if this deal happens for a lot cheaper at the end. This is a deal to wait out. Because you don't want to be, this isn't a deal we need to get ourselves bent over a barrel for. And it's also, you know, he's, he's out of contract in 12 months. Why are we going to pay over the odds for him? Let's wait and see what happens with this one. We might, even if we don't get Martinez, we might still buy him because we were using Tierney in that kind of inverted role last season anyway. Um, I, I'm not worried about this. If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. I think he's a good player. It would be good to get him in. I think we need more midfielders, but um, you know we've we've still not gotten Lucas Torreira or Granite Xhaka or a lot of players out of the club. Yeah. And Tielemans is very much a deal for me that you do once those people leave, rather than. And if yeah, if he moves somewhere else, he moves somewhere else. The the deal that I'd be worried about is is Martinez because he's the one that looks, you know. He's one that looks like we were trying to get done without moving people on because he fills so many holes. Hmm. And if we lose out on that, I would be disappointed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and maybe, you know, maybe there's Zinchenko or, or something that, that comes in, but, you know, it looks like Martinez is our top target. So hopefully that gets done. Right, Brad, we've just got time for a little bit of Arsenal trivia. Last time out, I asked you, uh, it was internationals related to Arsenal, and I asked you how many Arsenal players in the modern era, so the 90s onwards I, I took it as, have won the World Cup. How many Arsenal players in the modern era have won the World Cup? Twelve. Six. Vieira and Petit were playing for Arsenal when France won the World Cup in 1998. Cesc Fabregas was playing for Arsenal when Spain won the World Cup in 2010. And Meza Ozil, Lucas Podolski and Per Mertesacker were playing for Arsenal when, when Germany won the World Cup in 2014. Tough one, that. Tough one. Um, the theme for this week, we didn't get one last week, so Brad, so have a think about a uh, theme for this week, please. Uh, theme for this week, apt, is online fans. And I'd like the name of the guy who was interviewed by AFTV on the opening day of the 2013-14 season and said, just got off to play from Ecuador. I would like the name of the guy, the full name, please, of the guy who was interviewed by AFTV who said, just got off to play from Ecuador. You should be ashamed of yourself, Gazidis. Uh, his full name, please, with that terrible impression of him. Bradley, a theme... Uh, the theme for next week, seeing as, as as there's been a few transfer sagas this season, you know, with us in for Rafinha and all that. Let's do transfer sagas. Let's do Arsenal transfer sagas. Arsenal transfer sagas. I like that one. I like that one. Well, Brad, it's been a pleasure, well, as always. Always. I hope he responds to me. It'd be quite funny. He will call me Muppet Penny, by the way. It's, oh, yeah. It's the most obvious child childlike insult, isn't it? Bless him. I can't wait for him to realise you're missing a tooth either. Oh yeah, he will straight. He will jump straight on that. I kind of want to jump on a. Uh, I'm getting a tooth back in. Actually, if I composite bonding around this one this morning, you see the difference. Oh, 
Yes, 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 yes. Because yes, yes, yes. it used to be a little bit shorter. And uh, I'm getting a new tooth in 16 days. So I really want to jump on a stream with him, but I don't want to do it before then. Because <laughs> he will absolutely hammer me. <laughs> right. Uh, okay. Pleasure as always. Thanks for listening. We really appreciate you listening. And more and more listeners these days, we're really appreciating that. Um, getting up into the... Tell your friends, tell your, tell your wives, tell your mothers, yeah. get everyone on it. Diff not crew. Diff not crew. It's growing. It's growing, Brad. Uh, leave us a review if you haven't already. Thanks, as always, for listening. Keep a different knock, and we will see you later. Peace. Thank you so much for listening to The Different Knock, an Arsenal podcast. Please hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you're using. If you'd like to support The Different Knock, you can find us on Patreon and buymeacoffee.com. We're on all social media at Diff Knock. Thanks. Podcast Network.